It's not rocket science. It's not easy. It's not rocket science. Well, I love the Word of God. Oh, let's do the befores real quick. Get it over with. Here we go, Monica. This is me on the left. It's July 1983. It's right after I had graduated from high school. Um, so it's been a lifetime, and I'm eating, of course. And then March of 1996. That's me on the left with my stepmom and some dear friends before I went to Russia for a couple of years. And then this one is in December of 99 with my dad. And then this is me in March of 2001. Vicky doesn't like me to show this picture. Where are you? Mean. Yeah, yeah, go back up, Monique. You don't see me in there? Far left. And this is me in November of 2004 and May of 2005. Um, Monique asked me, you know, tell that joke. And, you know, my joke is always, you know, friends don't let fat friends wear polka dots. And so, um, that is, so that's me on the right on that, in the polka dots. And then May was one of my boys. And then this was me in November of 2005 and October of 2005. Is there another I like to show those ugly, mean pictures of me because I think it's, um, you know, I'm grateful for the weight loss and I'm cuter now than I was before and all that stuff. And, you know, I like that I can like, go to a regular store and buy clothes and not have to go to, you know, the woman's size. So what if you don't, if you're, what are you still a girl if you can wear a 10? I mean, if you're, you know, whatever. I'm grateful for that, but I'm more, I'm more grateful for the transformation that God has done um, inside of me and um, the transformation that's come about. And I believe, um, I, I love the Word, and for you know those of you guys that have seen me do my sharing about having a daily quiet time, and also about the, um, how much I love the Word, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, Wisdom is like uh, a garland of grace. And, um, and it's an adornment around your neck. And so I believe as the wiser you get, the the more attractive you become. And um, I know a lot of older women that love the Lord and they look like Carol Lewis so much better now than they did even, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago because they've gotten wiser in their things to the Lord. And um, I'm so I'm grateful for that. Tonight we are going to... Um... Okay, can I just be honest with you girls? Not that, and Bob. Not that I'm normally not honest with you guys, but, you know, I've kind of been busy. And, um, <laughs> and like, Carol's like, well, what are you going to do how to get out of the funk? And I'm like, but I've done how to get out of the funk already twice. And when I do something more than once, then it's like, you know, it's bored. I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear this again. And like half the people, I mean, you guys, who's heard the funk? Sandy, Steph has probably heard it. Jen, I don't know if you were there, you know. <coughs> I wish I could give that talk to you, but the Lord wouldn't let me give you that talk. He said, I want you to do another talk. And so I'm doing another talk. Because it would be much easier to, that, to do the first talk. Because I already have a handout to everything. PowerPoint, you know, we can click through this baby, be done with it, you know, and be over with it. But that's not what the Lord has. The Lord has wants me to um, walk through with you guys um, a character study of King Asa from Second Chronicles um, in the Old Testament. And then I've got five questions I want to ask you. So we should be done by... Tomorrow. And 
So dessert at night, baby. Dessert at that, baby. Well, just make your way out there. I'll just keep going, you know. <laughs> so let me start in prayer, and, and then let us um, see what the Lord has to say. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. Lord, I'm grateful for miracles uh, that happen every day. And um, may we have eyes to see. May I have eyes to see um, the transformation that's available and the rekindling and the creating that you do in our own personal lives in amazing and profound ways. Lord, it's my heart's cry that uh, every single one of us uh, access to full power that the blood of Christ provides for us in our lives. A full power to live in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and in self-control and faithfulness, I think I missed. But Lord, all those things, Lord, that are available to us, and I just pray, Lord, that we would be women and, and men that Father desire to do that and then that we do it. Um, we just don't learn more about it, but that we actually do it, Father, and we do whatever it takes to make that happen in our lives. I pray for this time, Lord, I pray that you would anoint um, my mouth, Father. Lord, I pray that I would sit down and you would stand up. Lord, I pray that um, our ears would be attentive. I pray for the Holy Spirit, the plow, the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, Lord, and and start working up any ground, Father, that might be hard, any fallow ground that needs to be planted. Father God, I pray that you would put um, a good seed, in, in, or the seed would be good, and that the soil would be good that would receive it, Father, and that would bear a 30, 50, 100-fold, Father God. And a lot, I feel like I need to share this evening, and, and Lord, I trust you with that. And I believe that you'll be faithful um, to bring forth the, the message that you have us to, to hear tonight, Father. God, thank you for already what you're showing me. In the midst of this teaching, and may be faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Second Chronicles is um, in the Old Testament. Um, it is right after Samuel King's Chronicles. I'm OCD. Does anybody have any relationship with that? I'm not like officially diagnosed as OCD, but um, I, I just by default naturally alphabetize things. And so I remember things alphabetized. Like, does Isaiah come before Jeremiah or after Jeremiah? Alphabetical comes before. Is the northern, you know, is the kingdom of Israel the northern kingdom or is it the southern kingdom? It's the northern kingdom because I comes before J and N comes before S. But I really get blown away when they do first, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. Except that it's reverse alphabet. Alphabet. So fine chronicles. And I want to encourage you guys. Um, the best, the best sheet of the best page. Outside of between Genesis 1 and, you know, Revelation 21, 19 or whatever it ends at, is a table of contents. You know? And if anybody's, you've all heard it before, if anybody has a warm Bible, it's because she's been well worn and she needs to get in the Word. And um, I remember when I came to Christ 15 years ago, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I'm phonetically challenged. And so they would say, turn to Psalms. And so I wasn't. I was didn't know that it should, I should be ashamed to turn to the table of contents. So I had no problem turning to the table of contents. But how do you spell Psalms? <laughs> There's no word that started like I can see Song of Solomon. I'm seeing S's, but so I would say Psalms. 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 So Isaiah 14 is where we're going to start, and um, I think I'm just going to read and. Um, well, I'm sorry. Second Chronicles is where we are. Asa is the king. Asa is the king. We're not in the Psalms. We're not in the Psalms. 
sorry, we're in Second Chronicles, C H R O N C S. Chapter 14, verse 2 through 7, I think is where I want to start. His Ace's dad had just died, Abijah. And they just had separated. The kingdoms had just separated. They just had a civil war. And um, the, the, the um, southern kingdom of Judah has been formed with Benjamin and Manasseh, I think. No, Benjamin and Ephraim had been formed. And, um, and so here's where it starts. Asa did good. Verse, verse 2. Asa did good in the sight of the Lord his God. For he removed the foreign altars and high places. He tore down the sacred pillars. And he cut down the ashram. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was undisturbed under him. He built fortified cities in Judah since the land was undisturbed and there was no one at war with him during those years because the Lord had given him rest. For he said to Judah... Let us build these those cities and surround them with walls and towers and gates and bar, bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought, them, sought Him and He has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. So here, so Asa comes in, he's the king. The land is not quite right, so he's doing some work. He started really well. He has started really well. And he's torn down the foreign idols. He's torn down the places that, that they weren't seeking, the God, seeking God. And then he was not only did that work, but then he commanded, as the authority figure, he commanded to those underneath him, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. Let's build fortified cities. Let's be productive. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And he started really strong and started that process of moving forward. And then what came along next is a test, because that's always going to happen in our lives. Things are going well, and we're going to get a test. Things are going to get well, and we're going to get a test. Things are going to get well, we're going to get a test. And so, that's just the way the Lord transforms us. Because the purpose of us being here on earth is not just to get through the other side to make it to heaven. We're not just coasting. It's sanctification to bring the advancement of the kingdom of God to here on earth. And that we need to be transformed in the only way that's going to happen. I was at a meeting on Thursday, and I'm so glad. Can I just share one other thing? Last night, the big thing was, talk slow, Becky. Because you talk so fast. So talk slow so they understand. So when it's dealing with money, I tend to slow down and I talk slow. So I'm going to talk fast and you guys just listen fast because that's just the way I am. I was in a meeting on, on Thursday before uh, I picked up Carrie at the airport. And it was an organization called Open Doors. Anybody heard of Open Doors Ministry? Brother Andrew is the founder of that. And, and they were just talking about how can we, the persecuted church, really impact and help the community in America today. How can we make a difference in what it was? And he quoted this gentleman. His name was Johnny Lee in China, and the president, um, Carl Moeller, I think is what is, is the president of that, that sounds right. Anyways, he quoted um, uh, Pastor Lee, and he asked Pastor Lee, Pastor Lee, what, what, what was the catalyst, what was the, the genesis of bringing forth revival in the church in China? Because the, uh, the statistics say that China, on any given Sunday, there will be more people in church on China that is not open to the gospel, and they're not allowed to practice religion freely. There will be more folks in church on, in China than all of Europe combined on any given Sunday. And Pastor Lee said it was holiness. Holiness was the catalyst. Holiness was the genesis. People started living lives of holiness and other people wanted to live those lives of holiness. And so we're here on earth and we have those tests and we have those challenges in our lives. Not because God's after us. Not because God's mean to us. Not because God you know, hates us. 
He's after it so that we can produce holiness in our own personal lives. And that's not legalism. That's not... It's holiness. And in that flows out of who we all want to be, right? We want to be like Jesus. And who was the most holy person that ever walked on the earth? And that was Jesus. We want to be holy and we want to walk like Him. So tests come our way. And Asa, King Asa got a test. And it came his way. Verses 8 through 10. Chapter 14 still. Now Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah bearing large shields and spears and 280,000 from Benjamin bearing shields and welding bows. All of them were valiant warriors. Now Zerah, the uh, Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. So we had the army of, of Judah that had 300 plus 280, 580,000 men against a million Ethiopians. They had 300 chariots. It appears as if there was no chariots. King Asa had no chariots. So they were on foot, and here's folks in chariots. 300 of them in chariots, plus 100 men. So they were outnumbered them. I mean, that is not a good day, I'm thinking. It's going to happen. And he came to Merishah. And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up the battle formations in the valley of Zephanat at Berishah. And I thought this was really interesting. Imagine that. I mean, what a valiant warrior that he would go out there even though he was way outnumbered, his equipment was way less than him, but he still went out. And he still didn't just turn away and run or just succumb. He didn't become passive. He started to work out and moved out in that. And so how did he do? Did he respond well or did he not respond well? And verse um, 11 says this, Then Asa called to the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, there's no one beside you to help in this battle. He didn't rely on the 580,000. He didn't call his brothers in the north. He didn't do anything. He called out to the Lord in this test. And he called the Lord, you're the only one that can help me in this battle. And you know what? Any battle, any test you're in, there is nobody that can help you. And Carrie alluded to it. She would call me and she would say, you know, Kent did blah, 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 blah. And I would say, did you talk to Jesus about this? And, he, and she would say, no. And before she could get the, oh, I don't know, I literally would hang up on her. Because I don't need that stuff. You know, I don't, I don't need to know that Ken is such a jerk. You know, I don't think he's a jerk. I've never known him as a jerk. He's always been a great guy to me. I think he's wonderful. I always want to think that. I don't need to know that information. You know, he, we, Eve, uh, Eve and Adam ate from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge. And the more knowledge we have, the more trouble we have. And so I didn't want to have that knowledge, and I hung up the phone on him. Because there was only one person that could help her. And there was only one person that could help King Asa in this. And he cried out, said, you're the only one that can help us in this battle. And I think it's also very interesting, he responded so well. Let me read the rest of it. Again, beginning in the end of 11. Lord, there is no one beside you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you and in your name have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. A couple of things in that. Number one, he did not give a prescription to God about how to fix this. He didn't say, give me more men. You know, cause the flood. To, he didn't call, bring the rain and let the mud come. And one of our girls at Lifehouse recently had a stillborn baby. And I sent out a prayer request. And I really struggled as I sent this to the prayer team because I wanted them, I wanted to say, pray that God would be the God of the resurrection. And he is. And I just wanted an amazing thing to happen. And they would do the ultrasound the next day and there would be life where there once was death. And that's really, that was my first thing. But you know, I thought, you know, 
this might be a real time of transformation that can go on, and we're seeing it as we speak. This was two weeks ago. And this guy is not the greatest guy that she's with, and, and you know, and she thinks the only thing she can do now is, is shack up with this guy, and, and even though she knows that it's not right unless they get married, but because of what the situation and not having the baby now, we're able to kind of feed into her, and we're going to keep her longer, and you know, keep her under our wing, and you know, bring him around, you know. And but we're so quick to tell God how to fix the problem. I'm so quick to tell God how to fix. Here's how you can fix the problem, God. Instead of just saying, instead of humbling ourselves, because look what He says. He says in there, He says, it "Has come between no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful." And those who have no strength. That was the battle. The powerful and those who have no strength. We've got 580,000 guys, but we don't have a lot of strength. Now, obviously, he was not concerned about the self-esteem of his men. You know? <laughs> you know, you know we're, we have no power. You've got it all. So help us, O oh Lord, our God, for we trust in you. And in your name have come against the multitude, O oh Lord. You are God. Let not man prevail against you. And let me tell you this, my friends. If we're walking in righteousness and truth, and we're finishing, we're starting well and doing the right things, tearing down those idols, tearing down those high places, calling our friends and those that are underneath us in authority to walk in righteousness and truth, and man prevails against us, he's not prevailing against us. It's God. So if you have defeats in your life, when you're walking in truth, it's to bear more fruit. It's not for punishment. Now, if you're in sin and you have issues in your life, that's another story. As Carrie has shared, and I personally have had personal affliction, physical afflictions that have come upon me because of my sin. But if we're walking in righteousness, truth, the Lord's like, you can bear more fruit if you get through this test. So remember, it's, it's you know, it's not, I'm still trying to process this, but I am learning that it's not all about me. <laughs> when Carol Carol was the one that bought these journals and she the journals that we have this weekend and she ran across one that said it's all about me and she almost bought it for me specifically but we decided to not let everybody know right up front that it was all about me so we're holding off on them now you know it's all about me Kendra thought it was all about her <laughs> but now this another is, dream another show. dream Woo. so so it's against the Lord. So it, a test came and he responded well. He responded well. It goes on, it says, um, So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. It didn't tell them how or what happened or anything like that, but it happened. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gira, and so many Ethiopians fell, they could not recover, for they were shattered before the Lord and before his army, and they carried away very much plunder. You know, what's the plunder you're capturing? I mean, I'm all about the plunder. When we defeat the enemy, I want to gather the plunder that goes from that. You know? I mean, that's, we're at a battle. It is a battle. And there's plunder that's going to come forth from that. And that's going to be joy, and that's going to be peace, and that's going to be contentment. It's going to be seeing your others, other friends and family members either come to Christ or walk in a deeper relationship with Christ. It's going to happen by default. You might not get a Rolls Royce. But really neat things are going to happen if we trust God to destroy our enemies. 
They carried away much plunder. They destroyed all the cities around Gera, for the dread of the Lord had fallen on them, and they despoiled all their cities. I love that word. The American standard says they despoiled them. So they had spoils, and they despoiled them of those spoils. I just like that. How do you despoil something? That's mine. I'm going to take it away. I want that one. I want, and I'm, you know, I, will, I have ten cities, and I want that guy's ten cities, too. For there was much plunder in them. They also struck down those who owned livestock, and they carried away large numbers of sheep and camels. And then they returned to Jerusalem. So they were victorious. They responded well. They sought the Lord. They, they followed after the Lord, obviously gave some form of instruction, defeated the Ethiopians, and then even said, go after them. Went after them, took plunder, took a ton of stuff, took cattle. And then they returned to Jerusalem. Returned to the city, victorious warriors. Passing the thing. And this is what's amazing that happened. And this will happen in your life too. After every victory, there'll be a warning. Every victory in your life, every success, there's going to be a warning. There's going to be a check. There's going to be a time the Lord's going to say some things to you to be mindful of. Because we can tend in our victories to forget who the Lord is. And, and see the Psalms of Proverbs, but it says, Lord, don't make me so rich that I forget you. And don't make me so poor that I steal. You know, we need to find that happy medium in there of balance, Lord. Don't make me so rich. So we, he's, they're victorious. Look is what, you know, whoa, look at me. And for some that have met their, their goal weight, we can have a tendency to say, whoa, look at me. You know, well, if you would just, it would be, you know, you should, wouldn't be like that. You wouldn't have those issues. And we need to be careful and mindful of that. We need to be striving on those things. That's a whole other story, but we need to be mindful of that. So warning always comes after victory. And so this is what happened. 15. Chapter 15. Now the Spirit of the Lord came on Ezra, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him... So he went out. He went out even before he got to Jerusalem. Went out to him and he said this. Now listen. Listen to me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. It's, I was talking to Kendra about that earlier. How amazing that the Lord condescends himself for us. Kendra had mentioned on Friday night about that the Lord is uncontainable. You, know, you can't put him in a box. You know, But you know what? He lets us put him in a box and not bust out of it. He, let, he lets himself be humbled. It, it is kind of, it's not that he's needy. His, his ego is fine. You know, it's not, you know, there's no dysfunction in Jesus. You know? And it's not like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to condescend myself just to be around you because I just, you know, no. He loves you so much. Just, I just want to, I just want to, can I just walk alongside you? That's all I want. And if you never use me, that's fine. I was talking to Carrie this morning as I was working on this. It's kind of like if we had a gold bar. You know? And I lived in a run-down, rat, you know, rat, roach-infested shack. And not the shack, but a shack. <laughs> and I had a gold bar. And I used the gold bar to prop the front door open when it was too hot in the house to get a screen. You know, keep the screen, keep the bugs out, and use that gold bar. And then when I didn't need to prop the door anymore, I just set it to the side. And I think so often, and I could have sold that bar and bought a whole new house. You know, I think so often our lives with Jesus, and especially those. And the Baptist, I mean, I'm Baptist, so I can pick on the Baptist. You know, so often in our lives, we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through a powerful over-the-top testimony like Carrie's. 
but we never have a really good knowledge of who Jesus is. And so we only think we need Jesus in the time of crises. When I'm sick, when I'm fat, when my marriage is going down the drain, when my kids are in rebellion, when I have financial worries. And then once those things are taken care of, then we just put Jesus back on the shelf until it gets too hot, and we need to open the door again. And that is so... He's willing to do that. You know, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But that is so, so not what it's about. So not what it's about. Okay. So the warning comes. He will, he will let us find him. And if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For many days Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, God of Israel, and they sought him and let them find, let them find him. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. My friends, I would challenge you to look in your life today. And I remember a time in my life. There was no peace anywhere. There wasn't peace in my... I didn't want to be by myself because I didn't even like myself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that was not a good thing if you were my neighbor. And... Because I didn't like me. I didn't want to do anything for me. I didn't want to be by myself. I had no peace in my soul. I looked at work. I had no peace at work. I looked in my relationships around me. I had no peace around me. I looked in my, my um, finances. I had no peace in my finances. There was wars all around me all the time. And how I read what it says in the Scripture is if i got wars going on, I need to bring Jesus into those places where there's war, and He will be the peacemaker. And I don't always know what it looks like, but I can seek him and ask for wisdom and guidance and say, okay, Lord, I don't want to distress the come. I mean, I, I got this distress and I got these sorrows going on in me. What's going on? Am I not living in righteousness? Or is there something you want to teach me in this? And how do I bring Jesus into this so that I have peace in my soul? The finances might not change, and my health might, might not change, and our marriages might not change. But if we don't have peace in our soul, we've got to bring Jesus in and have peace in our soul. Nations were crushed, verse 6, 15, verse 6. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. And came around them. So the, 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 um, the warning comes after the victory. And here's the greatest thing. He heeded the warning. He ranked it up. He even got stronger than he was before. Verse 8. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy, prophecy which Azariah the son of Obed, the prophet, spoke, he took courage. And he removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin. So all of them hadn't been removed, but he got courage. And he went in and said, okay, we'll, we'll go to another area. We'll go to another area. We'll go to another area. And removed the idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He then restored the altar of the Lord, which is in front of his porch, in the porch of the Lord. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who had resided with them. For many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord and his God was with him. How many people are hanging out, out with you because they see that the Lord, your God, is with you? Just want to be with you? Are there people in your life that you just want to hang out with because you see Jesus with them? I just want, just can't, and I just want to go, go to the ghost store with you. I just want to hang out with you. I'm a quality time girl, so I mean, that's, and I eat, so grocery stores are always good for me. Then he restored the altar of the porch of the Lord. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin. Okay, verse 10. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. They sacrificed to the Lord that day 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. 700 oxen. 
I mean, that's a mess of oxen. And 7,000 sheep from the spoil they brought. They entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek Him would be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Isn't that amazing? If you don't seek the Lord, we will kill you. I mean, we love you, Jesus, but this guy's not following, so we're going to kill you. But actually, it's a Levitical law that they're referencing back to in this. You don't seek him with your whole heart. We're going to kill you. And all the people loved it. It's great. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. I like that. I agree with that. I mean, I'm one that, you know, if I have a problem, make a rule. Make a rule. Am I a rule maker or what, Carol? I'm a rule maker. Make a rule. You know, TV is taking too much of my time. Facebook's taking too much of my time. Twitter's taking no screens after seven. You know, no screens. Except my Kindle screen. Because it's really reading. Oh. Now, you know. That Kindle is, it doesn't count like a iPhone screen. But no screens after that. Make rules. Make rules. And if I don't do this, then... Of course, I don't have to, like, kill myself. But, I mean, don't do this. <laughs> I don't know. About that. But have rules. Make a rule. Make a rule. Make a covenant. Make an oath. They did it. They swore to it. They rejoiced about it. They were excited about it. Life was good, and there was peace on all sides. And they did this for 35 years. They do this for 35 years. We'll grow stronger if we heed the warning. They became so strong, they lived faithful to the Lord for 35 years. Well, most of it. There's a little verse down in 17 that says, But the high places were not removed from Israel. You see, we've got to get rid of all the high places in our lives. All the high places in our lives. And here's what's so interesting. I've experienced, and you guys might not experience this, but I go through times in my life where I think all the high places are gone. And then all of a sudden those things that used to be low places now become high places. And I don't know if it's because I'm becoming more humble and all of a sudden those things become higher. You know, when I first came to Christ 15 years ago, 16 years ago, like do I go to... Bar tonight, or do I go to church tomorrow? Bar tonight, church tomorrow, bar tonight. You know, oh, she's saying, let's go to church tomorrow. I mean, you know, it wasn't that hard of a rocket. Like, you know, do I fornicate? Do I... <laughs> she slipped out. She slipped out. You know, do I do I have sex? Is that better? I can't even talk about that. Fornicate. Let me go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and fornicate. <laughs> That's what Jared Collins said, I overrate yesterday, and I fornicated. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not a sin. No, you call me and say, oh, I had a dessert, but I shouldn't have had it last night. And I had a fornicated last night. So. <laughs> but you did it. But I didn't. Yeah, I did. You guys think that I did. No. Not. It was a joke. I did not. Oh, it was a joke. It was a joke. Okay, we got it. You got it. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Where was I? <laughs> okay. 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 High places tearing down high places. So we need to be ever looking in our lives. And now that you get down the road, like on the outside, to most of you guys, you might think, except for Vicky and Carol, that I live pretty righteously. But you don't know what happens behind closed doors. And you don't know what happens when I'm by myself. I don't. <laughs> I heard you got it, Kim. drive the speed limit because submission to authority applies to the DOT. What about bringing in food at the theater? It just depends. I did check on that. <laughs> bringing food in the theater. Oh. As long as it's, a, if, it's a, if it's attached to a mall, then you can't bring food into, the, into oh. it. But when it's not attached to a mall, you can't bring food into it. It's it's so there you go. So, because submission to authority. But nobody's going to know that. You know, Twittering and driving... It's not against it's it's against the law in Texas, but like we institute laws in Texas, but then there's no penalty for a year. I mean that really is the case. So those small things, those, how we talk about people, what we say about them, behind their back, you know, complaining, grumbling, mumbling, man, getting down to those things. Those are the high those things that were low places compared to what I was up to have now become high places. That I need to tear down and do again. I can't just let them say it's good enough. For you guys that I don't know, was it? It was Leadership Summit. Jo- Joyce Answer talked about that and talked about that. You know, people would say, you know, she's already lost like you know a wide receiver for a football team. I don't know, 180 pounds or whatever. Is, what is she up to now? Like that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm talking about 180. Me. I'm 175. She lost to me. You know, it's one thing to lose a carrot. It's another thing to lose me. I'm just telling. <laughs> Lost to me. And people say, and she really had, feels like she has about 10 or 15 more pounds that the Lord wants to take her to. And people would say, oh, honey, you know, honey, it's okay. She's from Mississippi. It's okay. You know, it's just, you, you, you know, you've come so far. You look so good. You don't need to lose another. And she was like believing into it. Yes. And the Lord really spoke to her about, is it, you know, those two tribes that stayed on the other side. It didn't cross over. Manasseh and somebody else. It didn't cross over to the promised land. And you know what? We cannot tear down the high places. And we can stay on the other side. Here's what's so interesting. Those guys that stayed on the other side, they still had to go into the promised land, fight with their brothers to take the land for their brothers, and then they whacked away and went back into their okay land and not their promised land. And when we choose to not tear down the high places in our lives, we're choosing to settle. And settling is not just settling. You're always going to go backwards. You know, there's no such, you know, a stagnant pond. I mean, it's not stagnant, is it? It's nasty. It's gross. Carol and I, in the townhouses that we live in, they have a lake, and every once in a while, it gets too stagnant. It's not pretty, is it? Some of those turtles in there have been stagnant too long. they got mold on their back. It's, it's bad. It's bad. But if we heed the warnings, we can grow stronger. And Asa grew stronger, and this is what it says that he, um, interesting, he also removed his mother. Yeah, I read that. I know. (laughs) Not his mother-in-law, but his mother. He also removed Makkah, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah. And Asa cut down her horrid images, crushed it, and burned it in the 
kindred. He brought in the house of God the dedicated things of his father and his own dedicated things, silver and gold utensils. And there was no more war for 35 years. 35 years. He said, oh, Lord, let me be faithful for 35 days in a law that I present to myself. 35 years. He and his people were faithful. Faithful to what was going on and what was happening in their lives. Verse 17, interesting. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless before the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So here we go. So what happens? We, we, have, we have victory and we have tests and we have victory and we have tests and we have victory and we have tests. We go stronger as we heed appropriately. We have victory, we have tests, we have victory, we have tests. We go stronger as we heed warnings. And it appears probably in Asa's life, that in, especially in the, in the country of, of the kingdom of Judah, that that happened, it doesn't say that in the scripture, but just you would have to make that a, a, a biblical leap or a theological leap that that's what happened. And then all of a sudden, another test came along. And we're in chapter 16 now. Verse 2. Well, verse 16, 1. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Bashus, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. So here is northern brothers, Arab attacking him. They fortified a city, so the supply lines were cut off. They couldn't go back and forth into it. Verse 2, then Asa... Now before when he was in trouble, what happened? 1511, he cried out to the Lord. You're the only one that can help us. You're the only one that can deliver on us. We're weak. You're strong. You know, these people that have come against us are strong. You know, you prevail for us. You know, do your thing, Lord. So you think in verse 2, it should say, then Asa sought the Lord God in the temple sanctuary. No, verse 2. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and then sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, dot, dot, dot. He took the blessings and the sacred and the holy things of God and he used them for unrighteousness. And when we are blessed with gifts and talents and times and treasures... And we use them for unrighteous things. It is an abomination. It's abomination. I have the gift of preaching. For many years before I was a believer, I used it for manipulation. Because to persuade, uh, the gift of preaching is the ability to persuade, to, to encourage, to motivate people to turn toward that way. I use it for manipulation, an abomination. I could, you know, sell. Snow to igloos. I mean, snow, or what is it? Snow to Eskimos. <laughs> or Canadians. You know, or Alaskans. Now, I have to say, we take those, those very things that we have, we have set aside. Holy righteous. I was in Europe one time, and we were kind of cruising around in Holland, and I was in between a mission trip and coming back to the States, and walking to this amazing sanctuary. Well, it really wasn't a sanctuary. It was a sanctuary at one time. It was just a, it's just a really pretty building now. Because what at one time had been built and created and set aside and sanctified and holy for the Lord was now a rock concert was in there. And I don't think rock concerts are all unrighteous, you know. But that's what was happening. I mean, there was no lifting of the Lord that went on in that place. Lifehouse recently, about a year ago, bought a second home. And through the process of... Um, doing some work, it's right next to the other home. And the original home, 2407, is, was a church at one point. 
and they convert it into a home. And actually, where the girls sleep, all of our residents they actually sleep on the altar of the church. And um, we think that's pretty poignant. And but over the years, we've been there 21 years, and this house, this church has actually been a house for probably about 40 years. And trees have grown up, and grass, and shrubs, and fences. And so the house on the other side, 2405, uh, was definitely separated. And um, there was not any campus environment. So when we purchased the second home, we started cutting down trees and pulling up fences and, and making a kind of a campus environment to pull the three, home, the, pull the three lots, because it's a double lot. One of the lots is a double lot. Pull the three lots together. And as we dug up, we realized that there was a sidewalk that still joined the church to this other home. And come to find out, we, we, we feel pretty strongly that this was actually the... the um, What's it called? What do you call it? Parsonage. The parsonage. The pastor lived there. And then this is the church. And so I thought about this last night as I was sharing. Um, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years ago, whenever they built that property and they um, built the house. And can't you see those that were faithful before us? And they prayed over that whole property, walked over that whole property, set it apart for the Lord. This is holy ground. And then life happened and transition happened and then kind of fell aside, and then at least that part of the property wasn't used anymore for the righteous things of God, and then life house comes along, and we think we're up to something, and then it's a new thing, you know, we're taking back this property, and it's like, God says, I've already been here, I've been here, and we're just, re- we're taking back surrendered ground that was taken over the enemy, and brought it back into our place, we were thankful to that. I'm not sure why that point has to do with anything. <laughs> Will it preach? It'll preach, so. It'll connect. Go back and take that surrender ground that we've given them. Okay, so Tescon, he ignores, he fails miserably. Fails miserably in that test. And he sets up a treaty. Oh, I'm using unrighteous things. So, failed the test. Verse 2. Okay, this is what he said to the king of Damascus. Let there be a treaty between you and me as between my father and your father. You know, so here he is making a treaty with a foreign god, which... We all know that's not, I mean, a foreign king, which is not at all good. Being unequally yoked and all that kind of stuff. And so that you will withdraw from me. So Ben had listened to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the city of Israel. And they conquered and they found success. Blah, blah, blah. Verse 6, the king Asa brought all Judah and they carried away the sons of Ramah and December with them. With Bashan and building with them, he fortified Gabba and Mezbah. And what I'm thinking probably is what happened here is the same way. They were... They found success. It appeared as if they were victorious. They had gone back and taken back the property of Israel and had come and, and attacked the city of Ram. And then they got attacked on the other side, so they left the city of Ram. And so King Asa and his folks went and took Donald and took back the city, but they took all the timber and they took all the, the stones that they used to fortify that city. And they started heading back to Jerusalem. Now, the last time they headed back to Jerusalem, they read about in chapter 15, a prophet met. And what happens right here in 16 verse 7? At that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, Now, if I was king Asa, I would think, I've seen this before. I've been here before. I'm thinking I've been here before. I had a victory. Now a prophet comes out and meets me. And so he was getting another warning. Because you have relied, this is what the prophet said, because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. So not only did he become friends with him, but he was at one time an enemy, and the Lord wanted him to take that person back. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libans an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied 
on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And this is how I love this verse. For the eye of the Lord moved to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. And don't we want the next verse to say, Then Asa fell on his face, received the warning, and responded in humility. But that's not what it says. Verse 10. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed the people some, and Asa oppressed some of the people at this time. Very interesting. He was given a warning. He was told, you have blown it. But I still believe God's grace and mercy is sufficient, and I believe that if Asa would have fallen on his face and said, I blew it, because we see it in other examples, we know it in our own personal life. If he would have fallen on his face, I blew it. The Lord would have restored, the Lord would have brought out, there would have been consequences, but there still would have been a redemption in there. But what did Asa do? He said, he got mad. Oh, sisters, listen to me. Listen to me, Becky. Like, listen to yourself. How do you do that? When a sister in Christ that loves you and cares about you comes with a warning, even if you get mad, you can always go back and receive that warning. Welcome it. The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Gosh almighty, nothing better than Vicky coming up to me and saying, Becky, you were a little harsh. You know, maybe you need to go and give some loving and, and correction. And I can say, look, this is the way Jesus made me, and if they don't like it, they can move on. And who wants to hang around you anymore? I could do that. And all I would do is have, as I call them, I'd be sacrificing Abraham, Isaac all along the way. Because the Spirit of the Lord is calling me to do something different. I'm just killing Isaacs all along the way. And then there's no joy, there's no peace, there's peace all around me, there's no wars, and I'm sure not blameless. I'm sure not blameless. But Asa did not, he failed, miserably failed the test. And then what happened? He started to oppress his own people. When we start walking toward that path, down that path of rebellion, and start rejecting the truth that is brought for us, it only is going to hurt those that are around us. Pastor this morning talked about the consequences of sin, and it's causes separation with with um, with God and it causes uh, issues in our own personal life and it causes issues in our relationships that are around us. Our own sin, we are not an island to ourselves. And any sin in your own life affects those that are around you. If nothing else, it impacts the kingdom of God because part of the body of Christ is not as efficient or as effective as it needs to be and the kingdom is not moving about. At the very least, at the very least, that's what's happening. Your sin, whatever your sin, my sin, whatever my sin is, it is affecting the kingdom of God from advancing. And this is so tragic. He never recovered. He never came back. Verse 11. Now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, so for three years, he never recovered from that. Three years, it looks like he never came back. And then in the 39th year, this is what happened. Asa became diseased in his feet. The Lord afflicted him. Afflicted him in his feet. 
He's no longer has the ability to now stand in court and lead the people. He has no longer the ability to go to war and battle like the king's supposed to do. Disease in his feet. A rotting disease is what some of the scriptures say. Stinking, nasty, right? Couldn't be around. Nothing. It was awful. And listen to this. His disease was so severe, yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. I still see God's grace and mercy in that. He's like, okay, okay, I'm going to send you a warning, I'm going to send you a warning, I'm going to send you a warning, I'm thinking in those three years, it wasn't like God didn't do anything. He sent warning after warning after warning after warning. He's like, gosh, now I've got to afflict him with the disease. Maybe, maybe the disease, he will cry out to me. And I will heal him. And I will restore him. And he'll start tearing down those idols. And he'll start tearing down those high places again. And he'll quit oppressing his people. And he'll start walking in righteousness and truth. Because God's heart and his desire for us is to have full fellowship. Full relationship. Full intimacy. But he didn't even cry out and went to the physicians. Hey, we have problems with medicine now. Can you imagine what it was like in that time? I mean, like, what did they do? Cough, you know, drain him of his blood or whatever? It was awful. Awful what they caused him to do. What they chose him to do. He never turned. He never turned. And you know what? He was diseased for two years. Two years. The rest of it says this. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the 41st year of his reign. First 10 years, he tore things down. He was given a test. He responded well for the next 25 years of his reign. He walked in righteousness. He walked in truth. 35 years. He did it. And then 36 came. And the next five years of his reign are an abomination to the Lord. And who knows what happened in that community? Who knows what we... I mean, we can't. We can go on. Jehoshaphat, his son, came in at that point and had to start all over again, tearing down idols. He did not finish well, my friends. He did not finish well. Finish well, girls. Finish well. And the only way we can finish well is we have to finish well along the way. You want to finish well at the end of Give God a Year? Finish well tomorrow. You can't start on day 360 to finish well. It doesn't work. You've got to finish well tomorrow. You guys, a lot of you guys have heard my teaching about living intentionally. Not that I would name my radio show that, of course. But that's Kendra's radio. Because it's about Kendra. So. <laughs> What do you want people to say about you on your deathbed? At your funeral? At your eulogy? What do you want them to say? I, I mean, I've really been working on that even more. I want to say that she was a consistent, faithful, persevering, loving, kind, that's the one I'm working on, follower of Christ. As long as it doesn't take me tomorrow, I still have hope. Yes, you do. And I still have hope. I still have hope. <laughs> But my, the, the heartbeat is that consistent, faithful. I want people to say, hey, if we expect, if we get a yes from Becky, it's happening. It's happening. If we get a yes from Becky, it's happening. And you know what? If you get a no from Becky, it's probably not ever going to happen. Her yes will be yes and her no will be no. And she will finish well. That's what I want. You know what that means? That when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And if I can't do it, then I say no. I can't do it. And if by chance the Lord opens the pathway for me to do it, then I do it. And it happens. And what a blessing that is. Finish well. Finish well. Okay, that's the introduction. Stop. <laughs>
And just for the last few minutes, I really want us to settle in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Because see, the Lord is looking today, to and fro over the faith of the earth, to see a heart that's completely His. The Amplified says that it's a heart that's blindless. And what's interesting is back here in verse 17 of chapter 15, He didn't tear down the high places. But His heart was still blameless. It isn't that interesting. So what that encouraged me is this. What is blamelessness? And that's my question to you. Do you live Do you live a blameless life? And we know that's not perfection. Why? Because 2 Chronicles 15, 17 clearly states he hadn't torn down all the high places. But his heart was still blameless to the Lord. It was still completely his. And what that means, what I've understood and what I've studied it to me, is blamelessness is not perfection. Blamelessness is saying that I have done everything I, I, I have done everything I could in my power. If I have offended somebody, to make it right. So there's nobody, as far as I know, and I seek the Lord before I speak, and there have been times where He's clearly given to me, and sometimes I get nothing. But more than often than not, I get something, and I can go fix it. Where I, there's nobody on this earth, and there's nothing between God and I that can say, you have offended me, and you have not tried to make it right. Perfect, I'll give you a perfect example. When I was in high school working at a, at a um, fast food place, at a produce stand, I would steal money out of, the, out of the, the door. You know? I mean, like 20 bucks a time. Like, now I think about that, and I like to go spend $20 on supper. I mean, you know, it's not a thing. But I would take money out of the door. And I remember I pastor one Sunday, this was probably... Oh gosh, 10, well, 96, 95, so however long that it was ago. He was preaching on the Ten Commandments and he got to Thou shalt not steal. And I was like, oh, whew, finally, one that's not going to affect me, you know. And then she's saying, Alan Riley, produce stand on 64th Avenue and 34th Street, sold out of that drawer all the time. Go make it right. So I Google Alan Riley, you know, all that stuff, and I couldn't. Couldn't find him. Called a couple of numbers. You know, like, how would you like that conversation to go? You know, 20 years ago. And, you know, and then, of course, I worked, I argued with the little boy. How much, you know, how much was it? The same. I mean, you know, he tells me exactly how much it's supposed to be with the 20% interest on top of it kind of thing. <laughs> so it didn't work out, and I could never, um, I couldn't connect with him. I'm like, Lord, what do I do with it? And I had great friends that were the, their names, their names happened to also be the Rileys, and they're like my mom and dad spiritually, and and so I went to Ron and Pat and had to just say, look, here's the deal. I, I, I stole money from somebody and I want to make it right and I can't find them. And so, you know, would you sit in their place? And so here's $800. And I gave them the money and made it right. Made it right. Okay, that's one. You know, <laughs> got that one done. You know, but there's nobody out there that they can say, man, Beck, you offended me. And, okay, can I tell you, now that really affects my driving, just FYI. Because, thanks, Cam. Who cracked over there? Kathy or Tim? Because if I, like, you know, slide over a cut in line after the, you know, there's that long line on 59 getting on to 610, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I can just scoot on up there and slide on over. How many people, at least one, because the guy that I just cut off, I have offended. And therefore, I no longer live a blameless life because there's somebody in this world that I've offended and I can't make it right. 
So I have to say, Lord, I blew it again. Lord, I'm sorry. Just do something. Help me to know how to defend, you know, not me right, I'm not. Go back and make it right. Go back and make it right. Make it right to the best of your ability and you can live a blameless life. Not perfection. Not perfection. Make it right. Forgive and seek forgiveness. Forgive and seek forgiveness. Forgive. Forgive. Pooh. Forgive. Number two. Is your heart completely His? Number one, do you lead a blameless life? Number two, is your heart completely His? And I can ask you, I can, I can ask you to show me two things, and I can listen for an hour or a day, and I can tell you exactly where, whether or not you're completely His. Number one, let me see your checkbook, and number two, let me see your day timer. I can see right off, right off the top. Are you completely His? And then I can spend a day just listening to you and what you talk about and who you talk to and what you, and the things that you guys discuss. And I can tell that fast whether or not you're completely his. But your checkbook, how well you spend your money on. And I'm not legalistic in that, you know. I mean, the tithe or where you go or where you send the money, I mean, it's between you and your God. But he's a generous God and he loves a generous giver. What you do with your paycheck. And number two, where are you spending your time? We fall down at the idol of sleep for 15 minutes because we don't want to stand up and meet the King of Kings for coffee. I've done it. It's just not hysterical. Did I not say on Thursday night, you've got all the time in the world to do your devotion. If you don't do your devotion on Friday, you're going straight to hell. I didn't say that, but I mean, it's pretty close to that. Did I do a devotion on Friday? Uh, no. I mean, I thought about when I picked up my Bible and come to hear Kendra speak. I thought, this is the first time I've touched my Bible all day. You know, so it always comes back to get you, just FYI. You know, don't ever think anybody ever gets away with anything. Never. You deal with you and let other people deal with their stuff. And do you ever, ever say... No, Lord. That's the next question. No, that's just still back there. You guys completely hit. There's a collar back there. God love her. You know, I gotta fill in all the blanks. <laughs> well, I didn't have a hand. That's a hard one. Well, but that it goes back to being completely is. Do you say ever say no, Lord? And I do. I say no, Lord. Go speak to that person. Don't eat that. I mean, I'll tell you the first thing. I had a you know a major idol experience with an you know Chick Fil A ice cream cone. <laughs> And I totally bowed down to it, and the Lord really convicted me to it. Not literally bowed down to it, but I did buy it, even though the Lord told me not to. And I mean, you know, I won't go into that, but I talked to my mentor about it, and I told her, I said, you know, I really have a food addiction. I mean, this is three weeks ago, girls. I mean, this isn't like, you know, 15 years ago. This is three weeks ago. And, and she started talking to me about it. She said, Becky, the next time you want to do that, get buy it. Go ahead and buy it, and then throw it away. Take those idols and destroy it. Take the idol and destroy it. You know, I liked it. I, I thought it was a great suggestion. I loved it. I loved it. I haven't had to yet, and I hope I'm not having to do that. You're but tight enough. It would keep me from ever buying you, wouldn't it? <laughs> number three. This is a number three question. Do you respond to the warnings before they become distresses? Do you respond to the warnings before they become distresses? Number five. Wait. I'm sorry. I'm really. I'm number four. Number three. Do you respond to the warnings before they become distresses? Distresses. Whatever that distress might look like, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because they will come. 
the distresses will come. He will not let us get away. He will not let us get away. Number five, are you seeking Him? Four. four. Oh, sorry, number four. It's five on here because I'm switching orders. Number four, are you seeking Him? Number one, it takes work. It takes work to seek Him. It doesn't just happen. This isn't through osmosis. You can't put something sleep at night and lay this on my head and then it just works. It do, uh, there have been times of desperation. Oh, it's got like a makeup stain in its well. There have been times of desperation where I did just lay the word on my head. Just ask the Lord to give me wisdom. It takes commitment. Man, it takes commitment to seek the Lord. I mean, look at this. What did it say? If you don't seek the Lord, you're going to die. Now, we won't physically die if we don't get up and have our quiet time and, and seek the Lord throughout the day through issues and difficulties in our life. But we will die spiritually. We will die. We will die. And it takes intentionality, and we've talked about that before. It takes intentionality to seek Him. And you've got to be on purpose on that. And number f- five. Do you believe He will show Himself mighty on your behalf? Amen. Not on Carrie's behalf, not on Carol's behalf, not on Vicky's or on June's or on Kendra's or on Tammy's or on Michelle's. Do you believe, P.W., that He would show Himself mighty on your behalf? Do we believe that we are worthy enough for the King of kings and Lord of lords to look from the throne of our grace down upon the earth and look to and fro over that earth and come and land on your heart and say, look at that heart. Gabriel, get over here. Look at that heart. How blameless it is toward me. Goodness gracious. What do you want, baby? Baby, what you want? What do you need, baby? Will you talk to me? What do you need, honey? You need favor? Wisdom? Power? Strength? Joy? What you want, baby? Keep it blameless. Keep it blameless. Oh, it's not blameless right now, Gabriel. Send, send some warning. Send somebody that's good. Okay. All right, she'll be fine. What you want, baby? <laughs> he wants to defeat your enemies. Amen. He wants to. Believe it in your heart that you're worthy. You're worthy to take 15 minutes to get up and walk around the block. Duct tape your kids to the chair. (laughs) It's only 15 minutes. Duct tape your kids to the chair. Duct tape your kids to the chair. Oh, the kids. Okay. Put the... Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for life and life abundantly. We thank you for the power of the blood that was shed that provides everything we need for life and godliness. Oh, it's there. It's in the book. Any problem, any issue, any concern, any bondage that we're in, we've got in the Word. We've got verses that will clearly speak to that specific situation to walk us out into passive righteousness to higher places for you. Greater places for you. Greater places for our family, for ourselves, for our community, for our nation, for our little corner of the world. It's available. Lord, forgive us that so often we sit in the cell blocks of bondage and the gate is wide open. The door is open. And I sit in that wooden, I mean, on, on that cement bench, all caught up in my own bondage because it wouldn't really apply to me. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, I want to walk in your fullness. I want to walk in your truth. I want you to show yourself mighty on my behalf. So that others would see your great work in me and glorify you. Amen. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Woo!